Hi, this is Jimmy Evans with Marriage Today. This podcast is dedicated to equipping families with the teaching and tools they need to succeed. We hope you enjoy this episode and subscribe for more marriage building content. We're going to talk about some issues, some things that we all deal with uh, in our lives and we need to overcome. Now, victory is our birthright. Aren't you glad that Jesus gave us the victory? And that means we can overcome anything. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So what, what an important scripture for us to remember. 1 John 5.4, whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Revelation 12.11, they overcame him, talking about Satan and us. We overcame Satan by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to death. So Jesus has empowered us to overcome, and he has made awesome promises in the word to those who overcome. An example, in Jesus' letter to the seven churches, at the end of every letter, he makes these promises to people who overcome. Let me just read you a few of these. Ephesus, Revelation 2, 7, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Pergamos, Revelation 2, 17. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat. And I will give him a white stone on the stone, a new name, which no, uh, no one knows except him who receives it. Part of the blessing of heaven is you finally get to know your real name. Your name right now is not your real name. It's your human name. But when you get to heaven, you get your real name. Part of the curse of hell is you never knew your name. You never knew who you were. Thyatira, Revelation 2, he who overcomes and keeps my works into the end, to him I will give power over the nations. He shall rule them with the rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessel as I have also received from my father. And I will give him the morning star in Toledo, Decia, in Revelation 3, to him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. And here's the truth, we're either overcomers or we're overcome. There are only two possibilities. And Jesus did not die on the cross to give us the ability to cope. He died on the cross to give us the ability to conquer. And so we need to be overcomers in life, but let's make it very specific. We're gonna talk about four issues. Right now I wanna talk about the issue of rejection, overcoming rejection. Uh, all of us experience it and all of us will experience it. There's no doubt about that. But for some people it can be devastating and it can literally stop uh, God's uh, destiny in your life from being accomplished. Isaiah 53 talks about Jesus. This is a messianic prophecy in the Old Testament. What it means is it's a prophecy in the Old Testament talking about Jesus and what he was gonna do. Isaiah 53, he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness and when we see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus was the most rejected man in the history of the world. From birth to death, Jesus was rejected. First of all, his supposed father was Joseph. We know that Joseph was not his father. 
but that was his supposed father to the world. Uh, he didn't want Jesus. Um, it took an angelic visitation for him to accept Jesus. Herod, the king of that area during Jesus' time, tried to kill him in Matthew 2. And Mary and Joseph had to flee to Egypt. Nazareth is where Jesus grew up. And in Luke 4, they tried to kill him. When he began his ministry, they took him to the brow of the hill of the city and tried to kill him. His family in Mark chapter three, when he went into the ministry, they thought he was crazy and they came to take him home. The Jews killed Jesus, Romans five says, and they were not alone in that, but the, his own people turned him over to be killed. And ultimately on the cross, God the Father completely rejected Jesus. Jesus got what we deserve so we could get what we don't deserve. Jesus took sickness and pain and sorrow, but he also suffered rejection. God, when Jesus said, my God, my God, why have they all forsaken me? That was the only time he didn't call him father because God had turned his back on Jesus, completely rejected him. And so from birth to death, Jesus was rejected, but it never affected his decision-making. It never affected his attitude or the way he treated people and it did not keep him from accomplishing God's purpose for his life. And he's our example. All of us are gonna be rejected. Every single one of us have been rejected and we're gonna be rejected because love is our greatest need. As human beings, we were created by God. God is love. We were created by love to love. That is the common denominator of men, women, young and old all over the earth. Our greatest need is love. And because our greatest need is love, rejection is our greatest fear. Our greatest fear. Most people fear public speaking more than death. What I'm doing right now, most people fear public speaking. And the reason is rejection. It's one thing to get rejected by one or two people. It's another thing to get rejected by hundreds or thousands. I don't y'all do that while I'm up here, by the way. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's uh, mass rejection. Rejection is our greatest scar. In counseling over the years, when you're talking about a person who has freedom issues, you know, just damage, whatever it might be, rejection is the greatest scar that we have in our lives. And it's our greatest control point. Many people are controlled their entire lives by the fear of rejection and the corresponding need for love and approval. And because of this, it changes how we live and make our decisions. It didn't change Jesus, but many times it changes us. It changes how we treat people. And it keeps us from accomplishing God's will for our lives. So this, this is a big issue. This is a big control point with the devil and how he wants to change our lives and keep us from God's will. So let me, let me talk for just a minute about forms of rejection. Because rejection comes in many forms. The first is being unwanted as a child. Not being accepted or loved. Just, just being excluded, lack of attention, lack of affection. Being excluded. Relationships, activities, sports, whatever it might be. Being laughed at or being made fun of can hurt very badly. Being gossiped or lied about. Being compared in an unfavorable way. Divorce is a huge, huge, huge scar of rejection, adultery, abandonment, emotional, physical abuse, verbal, physical, sexual abuse is a huge scar of rejection, neglect, not being chosen or favored or accepted for who I am, which includes racism, sexism, discrimination, for whatever reason it might be having to attain physical, financial, social, or spiritual standards to be accepted that are out of my reach. Just, I can't get there. 
I'm not tall enough, pretty enough, smart enough, rich enough. I just can't get there. So I'm excluded, rejected. Chronic lack of employment can cause a, a deep rejection in a person's life. Being rejected by a friend, boyfriend, girlfriend, or someone you desire to have a relationship with or have had a relationship with, obviously very deep rejection. Premature death, as, as odd as that sounds, sometimes when a person dies, we can feel rejected, especially if they commit suicide. If you have a loved one who committed suicide, it's deep rejection. Most of us have experienced rejection on many levels, but unfortunately, some of us have a spirit of rejection. And that means we, ex we expect it, we live it. it. It defines who we are, is that we were rejected and are rejected and will be rejected. It changes the way we think. It changes our attitudes and the way that we you know, deal with people and it is keeping us from doing everything God would want to do with our lives. One example of this is the United States of America. We have a mass spirit of rejection regarding marriage. In 1930, 83% of adult Americans were married. Today, 49% of adult Americans are married. And the reason that is because a spirit of rejection, a, a fear of being rejected. And so as a society, we're, you know, we're avoiding marriage. And I wanna talk about some common, when we get rejected or because of rejection, here are some unhealthy ways we react to it. And one is we avoid the risk of rejection. Um, not trying in relationships in which I think, I, or endeavors that I think I might risk rejection, preemptively rejecting others before they reject me. If you have a spirit of rejection, you'll reject other people if you think they're about to reject you. Lack of commitment, if, I don't, if I'm not committed, I'm not gonna get my heart broken. Conforming to the environment rather than being myself and expressing my opinions, in other words, laying low. And we shouldn't be unwise, but all, all relationships and endeavors are risk. Anything that you do by faith is a risk. And if you live a, a risk-free life, you live a meaningless life. Jesus knew everything he was doing was gonna get him killed. And he knew the man at his campfire every night that he shared bread with was gonna turn him in and reject him and get him crucified. But he loved him and he called him friend. One time I was going through a tough season and um, I was praying one morning and someone had done something to me to hurt, hurt me a lot. And I told the Lord, I said, I'm, I'm never doing that again and no one's ever gonna hurt me like that again. And the Lord said, then I can't use you. And you know, when the Lord says something, it just kind of unpacks. And the Lord said, Jimmy, don't be unwise, but you're gonna get hurt for my sake. You can't love without getting hurt. You can't open your heart to people without any chance whatsoever. Be wise. Minimize the risk, but we do it for him. Did you know that? We do it for him. We love for him. He did it for us. We do it for him. Another way that people respond to rejection is anger and aggression. Rejected people are the most angry group of people on earth. Uh, research, there was some research done by Larry Kowalski, Smith, and Phillips in 2003 talking about school shootings. 13 out of 15 school shooters felt chronic rejection by society and their peers. Rejected people are a lot, many times angry people. Young people who demonstrate aggressive and antisocial behavior many times feel rejected and alienated. Pink, pink hair, mohawks, 
tattoos, body piercings, any social kind of behavior. And they're just basically, they're saying, I don't care if you like me or not. Just go ahead and reject me. I'm used to it. Most violent crimes are committed by men who are single, recently divorced, or have recently lost a close relationship with a woman. And they're angry. Rejection wounds us, and it creates bitterness and aggression if we don't deal with it properly. Remember Jesus hung on the cross and looked at the people who put him there, and he forgave them. Another way that we respond to, re, uh, to rejection is hopelessness and despair. We feel isolated, lonely, rejected. And people who feel that, people who are hopeless and live in despair, have a much higher death rate. They die sooner. They have a much higher rate of mental and emotional problems and much higher suicide rates. And we have to remember that the devil is the hurt whisperer. Every single time we're hurting, the devil wants to speak into our pain. The problem with pain is not the pain. The problem with pain is the message that's in the pain. And when you have been rejected, the devil, and what makes the devil so dangerous is his stealth. He doesn't present himself. It would be so easy to deal with him if he would just present himself because we know that we have authority over him. But when you're dealing with the devil, many times you're dealing with a subliminal thought and he put it there and you didn't know it and you think it's your thought. He slithered in in a hard time. He slithered in in a time that you were hurting and being rejected and he spoke something to you and it's in there and it's, you don't know it. But here are the lies that he speaks. You aren't worth anything. The <laughs> reason people reject you is because you're not worth anything. No one will ever love you. Why do you even try? You're defective. You'll never have anyone. You'll always be rejected. Something is wrong with you. Something's wrong with you. People don't love you because God doesn't love you. That's the way he feels. You're unlovable and you're undesirable. You're a loser. You're always gonna be disappointed. Don't let people inside because they're always gonna hurt you. People don't care about you, they just want to use you and get what they want. I'm living for myself and I'm not gonna let other people hurt me. These are, these are the little things that are in there and they program us, it's a spirit of rejection. They program us and because love is our greatest need, rejection is our greatest control point. And when these thoughts have been, pro he's, the, he's the hurt whisperer. And we go through life being rejected and he speaks these lies into our spirit, one after the other, and then we're programmed. Whether we realize it or not. And we go through life with these programs in our software that are running us and we don't know it. Another way that we react to rejection is being overly sensitive to rejection and overly dependent upon the approval of other people. Um, early in our marriage, Karen, Karen had a lot of rejection in her past and she had very low self-esteem. And so early, early in our marriage, um, Karen and I were both rejected. Karen and I both had a lot of rejection in our past, but Karen, Karen dealt with it with low self-esteem. She hated herself. Every, almost every message I just read was in Karen. And um, I also had a fear of rejection, but I dealt with it by being macho and acting very macho. But I remember I would feel rejected by a look Karen would give me. I was so sensitive to the issue of rejection that any time that she would just do any little thing, it would hurt me, and then I would respond to her out of that rejection. And, and we, we literally did a dance, kind of a fear dance and a rejection dance for the first few years 
of our marriage. But what happens when you have, you're overly sensitive and you live this way is you're very self-centered and self-absorbed. The fear of rejection just causes the world to come in on you. You're very offendable and very reactive in the way that you live your life. You also become overly dependent on the, the approval and acceptance of others. You become a people pleaser in a wrong way. You perform for the approval of others to an unhealthy degree. And comp you compromise your moral standards uh, to be accepted or not to be rejected. So it just changes us. Now part of the beauty of getting older is you just don't care as much. Um, <laughs> all the old people are saying like that. You know, you're young, you walk into a room, you kind of hold your stomach in. You just kind of pose and you get old, you walk in rubbing your stomach. And by the way, I do have washboard abs. I just have a load of towels in right now. <laughs> when I buy shoes, when I was younger, I bought those little Italian shoes, the real low cut shoes. Now I just walk in and say, I want the thickest soles you've got. I don't care how ugly they are. I just want a comfortable shoe. See, it's really kind of gets set free as you get older, but Avoidance and risk, anger and aggression, hopelessness and despair, and being overly sensitive and dependent upon the approval and acceptance of others. Let me talk about how to overcome rejection. Because we've talked about what it is and how it affects us. Let's talk about how to overcome it. Base your life, number one, base your life on God's perfect love and what his word has to say about you. I mean, I don't know who hates you, but I'll tell you, there's one person who loves you, and that's God. And you have to, the only thing that got Jesus through was God's love. Regardless of who rejected him, he knew God the Father loved him, and that's what he focused on. Hebrews 13, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, so we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. This not only means he won't physically reject you, he'll never turn his heart away. Forsake means turn his heart away. God has promised all of us there will never be a moment in all of eternity when he turns his heart away and rejects us. And we can, we can bet on that. Ephesians 1, or Ephesians 1, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to his good pleasure, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Did you know we're a part of God's family? And did you know that's the most secure family on the planet? It's not a family of rejection, it's a family of acceptance. And we have full right, we are adopted, we have full right as a family member before God and we don't have to fear being rejected. Jesus said in John six, all the Father gives me will come to me. All the Father gives me will come to me and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out or reject. He has promised us that. Psalm 107.20 says, he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. When Karen and I got married, Karen turned to God. You see people that come out of a family and one turns to alcohol, one turns to drugs, one turns to rebellion, and one turns to God. And it makes a radical difference where you turn. Karen turned to God. And I've never known a day, uh, Karen and I will be married 45 years on May the 11th. So that's a big one, thank you. Thank you, she's right down here. 
And, um, but Karen, I've never known a day in our marriage in 45 years where Karen did not wake up and read the Word of God. She wakes up at 4, 4.30 every morning and she reads the Word of God for an hour or two, prays. And I watched God transform my wife from a beaten down, rejected person into a lioness of God. His love has the power to heal us. And I'll say this, if you've been rejected, if you're suffering from rejection, the number one thing is the love of God. And I'm telling you, he adores you. He adores you. If you have ever heard a voice say, God doesn't love you, that's the devil. And you have to bind it and cast it out and believe in God's love. Number two, pursue relationships with fellow believers who are pursuing God in healthy relationships. If you choose the wrong friends, they're gonna break your heart. Um, Proverbs 17, 17 says, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. You know, there are groups of people, and I, I really do feel sorry for them, you know. We had a group of people in our neighborhood that were all real pretty, and they kind of ran around together, um, and you had to be pretty to be in the group. They never called me one time. <laughs> I mean, real, real pretty, they were very, very pretty people. Too pretty. And, and they just dressed to the hilt and just everything was just obsessive, you know, about them. And the problem is, you know, first of all, gravity's gonna suck you in the grave and kill you one day. That's the first problem, you know. You, gravity, you got a big enemy there. So, but they're all real pretty and um, I feel sorry for them. Because I just thought, you can't stay there. And we watched one marriage implode after the other marriage, after the other marriage, after the other marriage. You know, I wanna, I wanna be my best, but, but the truth is, I'm just not gonna pedal harder. If I have to, to get you to like me, it's okay for me if you like, don't like me. Christian people are the most wonderful people on earth. And I had worldly friends. The day I got saved, the first thing the Lord ever said to me is never see your friends again. And I became a Christian, I lost all my friends. I had Karen and Jesus as my friends. And he, loved, he loves me at all times. I have friends and I know that they don't love me for my looks, they don't love me for my position, they don't love me for what I do for them. They just love me because that's the way Jesus is. Let me say this to you. Be careful of the friends that you choose. You want friends that love God, you want friends that have the same values as you have and you want friends who accept you for who you are. I'm not saying that they don't encourage you to be a better person. I'm not saying they accept sin and encourage you to destroy yourself. I'm saying on your worst day, they're standing there with you. This is Brent Evans with Marriage Today, and I wanna thank you for listening to the Marriage Today podcast. We believe your marriage has a 100% chance of success if you do it God's way. If you enjoyed today's teaching and wanna keep learning, subscribe to the Marriage Today podcast and take some time to leave us a review. Your reviews help us spread the word and can encourage someone else in need. For more great marriage content, check out marriagetoday.com where you can see all of our marriage building resources, videos, articles, and live events.